Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a special message from A.B. Wolfram as we continue our series on tangling emotions. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, here it is. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Harrison. I'm going to invite you to remain standing as we're going to read our scripture for today. It comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 14, it says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Our message today is called Step Out Anyway. So you can have a seat. Once again, my name is Amy. I'm just so honored to be here today. Um, I'm just so honored to be part of the staff of this church. Um, and so I just, first, I just want to honor Pastor Harrison and Christy. It's such a great thing to be part of a church with such great leaders such humble leaders that I learn from every single week, and they're just so encouraging, and um, I've just appreciated their mentorship, their friendship, and um, yeah, I just can't imagine a better place to be, and I just shout out to you guys, to the church. Honestly, you guys have been the most encouraging uh, people this week, and just sending me texts and encouraging me, and I'm just so grateful to be part of this house. So today, um, we're going to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. So, um, we are in the middle of our Untangling Emotions series. Has anybody else been enjoying the series? Yeah, so it's been a really great series. I think it's been challenging for me. Um, there's a new song, and it goes like, Hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. You guys heard that song on the radio? Yeah, so we've been learning about how the problem is, is me. We've been worry, learning about entangling our emotions and how you can't go spiritually deeper if you're emotionally unhealthy. And so we've been spending time looking at different emotions. And um, there's a little analogy that I've kind of used for emotions from a, a preacher that I heard a couple years ago. And it goes like this. Emotions are kind of like kids. So when you're driving with your kids, do you stuff them in the trunk? I really hope you don't. But you also don't let them drive your car. Right? I don't have little, if I have little kids, they're not going to get in the driver's seat of my car. They're in the back seat. So I need to listen to them. I pay attention to them. I learn from them, but they never drive my car. So my emotions aren't meant to drive me, but I am meant to learn from them and to grow from them. So today, we're going to look at an emotion, a feeling that I have dealt with over and over again in my life. And I just want to share with you just kind of a little bit about my journey today, if that's okay, and where God has taken me. And I want to show you how God can take the weakest parts of you, and he can use you anyways. So we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to know a little about Corinthians, Corinthians was written by Paul, and it was written to the Corinthian church. And so the Corinthian church was kind of a mess. So he, they were a little disordered, a little chaotic. So there was like men sleeping with their mother-in-laws. There were like church people that were suing each other. There was just disorder, chaos everywhere. Um, so if you think church is messy now, the church has always been messy, right? It's always been messy. So they were struggling with their environment. They're like, how do we fit in with, how do we become, a, like, become the family of God? How do we walk and follow Jesus? But look, I still have this, like, there's a lot of me that's selfish. 
right? Like those people, they're annoying me. They're in the church with me. So um, what happens is we're kind of in the near the end of the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is kind of like a call for the church to united. So we're going to back up a bit. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? So in the Bible, the church is often described as a body. Sometimes a temple, but a body. And I think um, Paul is very strategic in using the idea of a body because the idea of the body is it's all connected. Have you ever had one thing wrong with your body, like your toe or like your finger? And it's like all you can think about all day. The body is just so connected. It's such a beautiful picture of just how we're connected. So the first thing we need to know about the body is when we're part of the body of Christ, if we decide to follow Jesus, the body isn't optional. I can't just decide not to be part of the body of Christ. So I just encourage you, like, that's actually a good thing. So if you're like, I don't know where I belong or where I fit in, the truth is the church is a body of Christ, and you automatically belong when you follow Jesus. So if you're here today and you're like, I, I don't follow Jesus, that's okay. You have a place here, and we're just so happy you're here. We just invite you to tune in. So the body is not optional. That means those people that maybe annoy you a little bit, rub you a little bit the wrong way, maybe you have a different personality. It means that we are all connected. We affect one another. And so I think that's really important to remember just moving forward as I talk that, you know, this isn't an optional thing. However, whatever we know, if we look at the text, it's not their ability to, de- to agree that unites them. It's not like, you're a body if you all get along. And you can all, you know, we can all get together and sing kumbaya and just enjoy each other's company. No, we're part of the body because of what unites us. And what unites us is the blood of Jesus. And that we're here for Jesus. We're here to meet with Jesus. And we're here to have him change our lives. And that's our starting point. Our starting point as the body is that we are all united in Christ. And that is what I find agreement in. And that is what I find my purpose in. So if we're the body, what's our job? What's our purpose? Why are we here? So the body is, re- is meant to represent the fullness of Christ on the earth. That's what we're called to do. And so how do we do that? We be like Christ. And Christ was the ultimate servant. It says in Matthew that Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. So we as the body, we are called to serve. We're called to serve one another. We're called to serve our community. We're called to serve who is in front of you. So today, that's just a little bit of like setting this up. Okay, the body is an optional. We're here to serve. But if you notice, I don't think the body's always functioning at the capacity it could be. That I'm not always functioning at the capacity I could be. And what keeps me from serving? What keeps me from stepping into my calling? What keeps me maybe paralyzed in fear? What keeps me from stepping forward? And so today we are going to talk about comparison. Everyone's favorite topic. So um, if you know a little bit about me, I am not an artist. It is not. um, I teach grade three. And frequently, I have to draw or illustrate things for my class. And I tend to just actually get another kid to do it because I am 
terrible. So I'm going to show you an example today. Of, I got really DIY one, one day. You know, you can look on Pinterest, and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. And so I, I'm going to show you what I was trying to do. I was trying to make these cookies. Don't they look beautiful? <laughs> so I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm like, I don't have a, a house shape, so I'm going to make these gingerbread men, and I'm going to, like, get some icing, and I'm just going to imitate. Well, this is how they turned out. <laughs> So, not quite the same vision. If I compare these two, they're not really a fair comparison. I didn't have the same tools. My icing was way too watery. I sent them to my friend Iona, who decorates cookies for a living. I think she fell off her chair. Um, <laughs> so, I've, I've decided icing cookies is not my thing. But they were delicious. They were still really, really good to eat. So... Today, I want to share how God has taken my insecurities, my pride, and taken my com the comparison I've experienced in my own life and used it for his glory. So I think comparison can lead us to three different places. So comparison in my life, it leads me to insecurity, it can lead me to pride, or it can lead me to humility. So I often think of these like, um, somebody used an illustration in a podcast I listened to, and the idea of three chairs— so there's three different chairs you can sit in. There's insecurity, there's pride, there's humility. And I can kind of like, I don't think we like sit in one all the time. I think we kind of move back and forth. So today we're going to talk about these three chairs. And we're going to talk about what happens when we tend to compare ourselves to others. So it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So this is about comparison. I'm looking at, well, I'm not them. I can't do it like they can. And I, what happens when we compare is comparison often leads me in my life to insecurity. Because I am not this. Um, one thing that I'm terrible, I, I do sometimes, do you ever scroll through Instagram aimlessly? And then you come across somebody who's maybe it's their birthday. And then you look at the age and they're like, oh, I'm turning this age, and I'm going to celebrate what I'm doing and where I am. And I look at my, I'm like, oh, they're the same age as me. Hey, look, they got three kids, and they have this beautiful big house, and this is where they are in life. And I immediately, like, I'm insecure. I am not where I think I should be. I'm not where they are. Or maybe it's, you're looking at other families around, you're like, oh, those kids, like, they just, like, love their parents so well, or they listen so well. Maybe you're um, a grandparent, and you're just, like, comparing against other grandparents, or maybe your business, you're comparing your business against someone else, and you're like, oh, if I was more like them, I could do, I could do more. If I had more money, I could do more. If I was at this place in my life, I could do more. Um, and I think what happens is we often compare to where we are, and what we feel we can offer, and we instantly declare ourselves inadequate before we even start. We decide that we can't do it. So insecurity is rooted in lies. So the one thing that's helpful for me is when I think about emotions, is they kind of, they don't just happen. There's actually like a process that happens in your brain. So what happens is every emotion is kind of rooted in a thought. So I have some sort of thought, which leads to my emotion or my feeling, which then leads to an action. So that's where all of our actions come out of, or all of our feelings come out of. They don't just come out of nowhere. You actually, and Pastor Harrison had a great message a couple of weeks ago about digging back and going back and looking at where's the root of things going to. So we're not going to go into that today, but I want to show you some ways that maybe there was a lie that led to some emotions, 
which maybe led to me not walking into what God had fully called me to do. So, um, have you ever looked at someone and said, they fit in better than me? They belong better than me? They fit into my family better? They fit into this church better? They fit into my friend group better? And I think that's something that I've, I've wrestled with a lot in my life. And I think it's the lie that I, want, I believe is I don't belong as much as. That's the eye of looking at, okay, if I was an eye, if I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's like, well, if I was an eye, I'd belong more. If I was on the worship team, I'd belong more. If I got a platform, I'd belong more. Um, but the truth is, that doesn't change anything. So a story in my own life is, I think it's funny how you, the things you remember of your childhood. Um, I remember my first friend breakup. Does anybody remember the first time the friend like broke up with them? Okay, I was in grade five. And I was at a new school. <laughs> and I, we went to play on the swings. And so I remember my friend came over, my best friend at the time. And she was like, I have some news for you. And I was like, okay. She's like, you're not my best friend anymore. She just says it. And I was like, okay. She's like, this person's my best friend now. But we can still be friends. And I was like, what is going on? But the thing is, it kind of stuck with me in this whole idea of like, someone's going to be chosen over me every single time. So the issue was, I like then started to view all my relationships through that lens of like, hey, I think they belong more than I do. And I compare and I make judgment statements like this person's more connected and this person's more connected and they belong more than me. And um, I disqualified myself based on their assessment. So when it came to like relationships in church or getting involved, I kind of place people on pedestals and say like, you know, what they have to say is more important. What they have to bring is more important. And it actually kept me from stepping into what God had for me. And the problem with that is when you root in the live, I don't belong as much as, you think that maybe you'd get push in to get more connected. Like, I'm going to push forward. I'm going to make friends anyways. But you know what actually happens? We isolate ourselves. We pull back. Instead of like, okay, I'm going to go talk to that person. We're like, no, no, I don't think, I don't think they'll want to talk to me. I don't think they'd want to come for a coffee with me. I don't, think, I don't think I can run a small group. Nope. And I think what happens is we actually pull away when the answer we need to do is we need to push in. And so I think my insecurity focused on me, and it just kept me from moving forward. The truth is, though, if you go back to the passage, we don't belong because of the giftings we have. I don't belong because of what I can bring. I don't belong because... Maybe I sing the best. I don't belong because maybe I um, have the greatest gift of hospitality in the world or I'm really great with kids. I belong because of what Christ has done for me. It says that we are united in one spirit, in one baptism, as one church. And that is why I belong. So the lie might be, I don't belong as much as. But the truth is, I belong because Jesus made a place for me. Christ made a place for you. Christ made a place for you in his church, in this family, in the kingdom of God, that there is a place for you. There is a purpose for you. There is a calling on your life. And I have to base my life on that truth instead of that lie. Because if I base it on that lie, I will shrink back. I will isolate myself, and I'll place all the focus on me. But if I focus on the I belong with Christ, I know that my place is never changing. It's not going anywhere. I don't need to be threatened by somebody else's success. I don't need to be threatened by anybody else. Rather, I belong because he has made a place for me. Another lie that insecurity kind of tells me is I should be more like. I think you've probably felt this, right? So 
I have this wonderful roommate. She's no longer living with me. She got married and, you know, moved on. Um, but we lived together for seven and a half years, which is a long time. And we, on the outside, kind of look the same. We both lead worship. We both are teachers. We have a lot in common. We are the exact opposite personality-wise. She's outgoing. She's got a great sense of humor. She can gather people like nobody. She initiates, and she's like the initiator and kind of like the center of like our social group. The Christmas party this year, she's planning it. She's that person. And I remember she started a small group. And, well, we, we started a small group together. What I mean is, I was like, I can't start a small group, but you can. So let's let you and I start the small group together so I can kind of hide behind you and let, you know. So I was thinking, I'm like, I know she would be great at leading a small group. So I don't think I'm ready. So what I would do is we'd go to small group and we'd kind of plan together, but I kind of was like, she's a better planner. I'm going to let her plan. And I remember sitting in small group and just sitting there, and I'd want to say something. You ever been in the group, and you're like, I want to say something, but I'm not sure how people are going to take it? And I would spend, like, I'm not, tell- I'm not getting a whole small group without saying anything. Not because I didn't want to, but I actually felt so insecure that what I would say wouldn't be as good as what other people would say. So I'd spend the whole time curating something in my head and going, okay, what if I say this here? No, no, no. Uh, what if I say this? And I would, I, like, would paralyze out of fear. Because I thought, you know what? Someone else can say it better than me. I should, I should just be more like her. And the truth is, um, I think I, there was a lot of times where I think those words somebody needed. But because I was frozen and unwilling to step out, that people missed out on what the Holy, wanted to, Holy Spirit wanted to say to them through me. And what it actually was is my own insecurity keeping me and my own selfishness keeping me from letting the Holy Spirit move and work forward. So there's two issues with this. Is my insecurity was like, first of all, I was just trying to prove myself the whole entire time. So the truth is, though, I can't serve the people around me if I'm trying to prove myself to them. I can't serve the people if I'm trying to impress them, if I'm trying to be perfect, if I'm trying to prove that I'm worthy, that I have a spot, if I'm trying to prove that I'm more like, oh, I can be like her. I can be just as planned that doesn't, that I can't serve them. Because the idea of service, service is not about me. Service is about the other person. Service, if I make it about me and my insecurities and maybe seeing if I can get praise or accolades or can I impress them, can I say the perfect thing, I'm instantly taking the focus off me and I'm then not creating a place for the Holy Spirit to work through me. And so the second, I'm face, placing the focus on me and missing what God is trying to do. So there's times where, you know what, I didn't function in the way I was meant to function because I was so focused on me. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There's a quote by Sadie Huff. It says, by... We often miss what God is doing for us right now because we're turning and looking at what he's doing for everybody else. Our gifts and our design are uniquely focused. They're uniquely created to show his glory. They're not uniquely focused to show my glory. And I think what happens is when I'm focused on what other people can bring or if I should be more like this, I completely miss what God's doing in my own life. I completely miss how he wants to use me. I instead, and then you know what? That actually serves no one. 
the people in my group that needed that encouragement, they missed out on something because I chose to just stay in my head. And so the truth is, there was a quote from Bill Johnson this week, I was listening on Instagram, and he just said, if we knew who God created us to be and who uniquely designed us to be, that we would never want to be anybody else. Because you know what? We'd be so focused. There's a, there's a psalm and it says, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have to get ruthlessly content with where I am in life. Because if I keep looking at people around me, I'm going to miss out that God is doing this here. Or God's working in this relationship here. Or God's bringing me here. Um, and I'm just going to miss out. And when I do that, I'm turning everything into a contest or a measuring stick. And I'm measuring myself completely against standards that I actually can't keep up to. And so when I put the focus on me, insecurity often kept me measuring. How much is God speaking to that person? How much is he moving through that person? What person's getting, where is that person in life right now? Um, have you ever found yourself measuring? How is God moving in that life? How blessed are they financially? Hey, look at how many kids do they have? I think we'd measure based on external circumstances and we assess importance and we miss what God's doing in our hearts. Because only God knows our hearts. So, on the, but what happens when we measure is we like, we just miss out. It says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Often I think we focus on the visible giftings that you can see. I can, you can see people on the stage. It's a very visible gifting. But I think if maybe you're in a hidden place, maybe you're, you're like, well, my gifting, my callings is, is not a platform. What about me? And I think a really important thing is your hiddenness is not a measure of your importance. I think of like the people in my life that have impacted me the most. They're usually the hidden people. They're the people behind the scenes. They're the people that take the time to say, how are you doing? The people that, you know, send me a text. The people that greet me at the door. And I was thinking about, even like, I think about our kids' ministry often. That if you're in kids, it can feel really hidden. It's not something that you see. You, people drop off their kids and they kind of go, see ya. But I think from the time I've spent in kids, like, I feel like there's such an importance to that ministry, to your kids. The parents, if your kids don't have a good time at church, are you going to come back? No, you're not. Kids ministry is actually, one, you're serving the parents, but you're also serving those kids. How many of those kids, maybe they're going to go through junior high or high school, and they're going to go through a hard time, and God's going to bring something back to their memory, something that you taught them, right? You actually don't know the effect you have. I think of, like, hidden people. I think of... Um, I think of Doug and Lori, just every single time we've come to do like cleaning for the church or something like that, they just come and they stay and they serve the whole entire time, right? I think of like, um, I just think of my dad and my dad, he has two kids in, that work for churches, one kid that does sound. Um, he has never been on a stage in his life, but he has been there every Sunday serving behind the soundboard. He served his church. He just serves his family. and He never asks for anything. He just does maintenance or whatever needs to be done. And to be honest, I think we'll get to heaven and I think we'll be surprised at just like all the hidden behind the scene ways that people have just worked for the kingdom and that God will just honor.
right? And so that hiddenness is not a value of your importance. So culture celebrates the visible, but what is God looking for? God is looking for the person who serves anyways, whether you're seen, whether you're not seen. Insecurity also tells us that other people are getting more than I am when we measure. This person's getting more. I love this illustration someone gave me once. It's the idea of like snakes and ladders. Has anybody played snakes and ladders? So she was playing with her nephew. This little kid is like eight years old. And he was beating her. She's like, oh, I'm getting so frustrated. And she realized it's because she's like, I'm viewing life like snakes and ladders. That I, it's just a roll of the dice. I need to go up the ladder or I go down the snake. And I feel like everybody else is going up ladders and they're killing it. And I'm falling down the snakes. And she's like, when we do that, though, we're not looking at it from God's perspective. I'm looking at it from my perspective. Because I think about how I got here in this church. Now, some of you know the story. Some of you don't. Um, right before I found Kingdom Church, I went through probably one of the hardest seasons of my life. And I was just stuck comparing. I was like, God, I want to be somewhere else. Like, I thought my life would be turning out differently. I thought I'd be married, have kids. I was like, this is the life I'm heading towards. And God gave me it through a season. He's like, you really want me just to lay it down? And I remember going, God, but this is not, like, how come everybody else is getting it? Like, how come my friend's getting it? How come they're getting the life they want? And here, God, like, I don't understand what you're calling me to. And I remember God just asked me, like, again and again. He's like, will you just trust me? Will you just lay it down and trust that I'm taking you into what I'm calling you to? And... I had a turning point, and I had stepped down from worship for about six months. And worship was not in my picture to continue, if I'm being honest. Um, I was not going to come back. I was sitting in worship one day, and he's like, Amy, you have to get back on worship, or you'll never come back. And that very week, my brother called me, middle of school day. And he said, hey, Kingdom Church is looking for some help with worship. You should come check it out. I was like, oh, I don't know, Lord. I know I'm supposed to get back into worship, but I don't know if this is it. So I came to church. I came to Kingdom. And that very week, I met Pastor Harrison, fell in love with the vision of the church. And he's like, hey, do you want to come help with worship? And I was like, I, yeah, and the Lord was like, just say yes to whatever I put in front of you. And I was like, yes. And I think I can focus on comparing and saying like, okay, this is not what I wanted. Or I can focus on just following God and saying yes. Because I don't think our callings are always super obvious. I think sometimes we have to just walk forward into them and see what God does. Right? If I'm waiting for my calling to come from heaven or to have clarity or to have perfect peace about stepping forward in something, I probably won't. But rather, if I just step forward, then I can step forward into what God has for me. And I can just say yes and just step out. I think the other place it leads me to, so we've talked a lot about insecurity, but... There's another place comparison leads me to, and that's pride. And pride is kind of like that ugly arrogance, and pride often says, I can do it better. Um, I can be better. But I think one way that pride shows up in my life is I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else. It says in the first Corinthians, it says, what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? Right? You're fired. We don't need you anymore. 
But I think I often do that. I can do it on my own. And I have, last Christmas, we had Christmas Eve service, and that's one of my roles here is overseeing Christmas Eve service, and Megan's smiling. I think she knows where the story is going. She had to live through it with me. And um, I just really felt like I had to do it on my own. I was like, this is my job. I got to do this on my own. I got to prove that I am worthy of this job, that I can do it. So I was going, running around trying to find a rehearsal, trying to find like gear for practice and renting pianos and renting a bunch of things. And I went to Long and McQuaid and the practice time had been moved again. And I was just like overwhelmed by life. I was like, this is not going to work. Christmas Eve is going to be awful. And I, okay, let's just do this. So I can, I can do this. We can buckle down and we can get it done. So I'm sitting along on McQuaid and I'm waiting because the rental came out and they're like, it's this much money. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money. Okay, I'm going to wait for some approval. So I'm waiting for just some responses to see if I should move ahead or not. And I am literally in Long and McQuaid crying because I am so overwhelmed. And I do what any creative does. I sit down at a piano and start playing sad songs in the middle of Long and McQuaid. Because <laughs> I was just like, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm waiting for this. The guys must be so awkward because they can totally tell I'm crying. They've, and I'm like... <laughs> And then I'm sitting at this piano, and I'm like, well, maybe if I just pretend I'm testing out pianos, um, I can kind of work through my emotions, and I'll wait for this text, and then I can kind of move on. And so I went and met Megan at the church after she helped me out. We, we set up for practice, and um, Christmas Eve was great. But I remember sitting down with one of my team members afterwards for, like, a debrief. And I just like, hey, how do you think it went? And she went, Amy, we all knew you were overwhelmed, but we didn't know how to help you. And that just hit me so hard. Because I think as the body of Christ, we sometimes see people and we're like, okay, I think they're trying to do it on their own, but we don't know how to help them. But I think what happens is when I try to do things on my own, I miss out the opportunity to lean on the body of Christ and to have them do it with me. That we're meant to be a team, we're meant to be connected, that I don't have to have it all together, that I don't have to do it all on my own, but rather that there is a body that can work with me. So... What do we do with our insecurity and our pride? Do we just like will it all away? Do I just like, if, when I get rid of my insecurity and pride, I'll be used by God? Um, I think it actually is an opportunity. I think our insecurity and pride are opportunities for us to surrender. I don't think they actually go away. I don't think my insecurity will fully go away. I think I'm always going to have those feelings and those thoughts. But what I've learned is that I can focus on the truth and then when I step out anyways, the Holy Spirit just meets me where I am and he moves and he does the work and he uses me anyways. So our insecurities and pride are oft, often opportunities to display the glory of God. I'm not here because I've overcome my insecurities. I'm not, that's not the story. I'm here because God has used me despite my insecurities. He's used me despite my pride. So how do we step forward? out of our insecurity and pride, if we know the feelings are never going to go away, I think we actually need to learn how to be humble. So it says, but the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We develop humility. Christ is the ultimate example of humility. Humility isn't everyone is better than me. Humility is I know who I am. And I know what I'm called to, and I'm going to choose to serve others. When I look at Jesus, it says in Philippians 2, 
It says, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he made himself nothing. So here's Jesus. He holds all the power and authority in the world. All of it. He can call anything down. He can do, he has it all. But yet he chooses. He's like, I know who I am. I know I'm, a, I know I'm the son. But I'm going to serve the people. I'm going to make nothing. I'm going to be born in a dirt barn for the glory of God. I'm going to go wash the dirty disciples' feet for the glory of God. And he decided, he's like, you know what? I'm not here to make a name for myself. He wasn't here to build a, to have a crowd. I, if you ever read through the Gospels, just look at how Jesus responds to the crowds. He responded with compassion, but he never responded to become famous. In fact, he often withdrew on his own with his, with his disciples. And so what does it mean to develop humility? And from our passage, it says, but the parts should have equal concern with each other. If one part suffers, everyone suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. The first to do humility, we need to celebrate each other. We need to be able to celebrate and learn from others. Rather than using comparison as something to be insecure or prideful about, I can use it to be inspired. I can actually learn something from those people. When I celebrate others, their success becomes my success. When the team does well, everyone is a part of that success, right? And so if I can learn how to celebrate others, even maybe if I'm feeling insecure or if I'm feeling jealous of that person or I'm feeling envious and I wish it was more like them, celebrate them. Speak well of them. Speak well of them publicly to other people and ask yourself, what's one thing I can learn from them? What can I learn from how they speak the truth? What can I learn from how they serve? And apply that to your own life. The truth is there's room at the table for everyone. Nobody has everything and everybody has something. So when I realize there's room at the table, I'm not threatened by somebody else at the table. Rather, I know that we actually gain more because success together is much more than our success apart. The second is just recognizing it's bigger than you. My value comes not from what I do, but from what I belong to. So the fact that I'm part of the body, that is where my success comes from. It's not about me. So I could be like, you know what? I'm, I'm super, it was a rough week, guys. I could be, I'm super insecure about being up here, but does that serve anyone? Does that benefit anyone? No, but what I can do is I can say, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to use me, and I'm going to step out because you've called me to do it. And I'm not going to let my insecurity in, to be the driver's seat of my car. Rather, my value is in the fact that I said yes, and that I belong to the body of Christ, and that I'm making a space for the Holy Spirit to move. And if I try to do it on my own, I'm just doing it in my own strength anyways, which isn't of lasting value. Galatians 6 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. I just love that. Each one of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best with your own life. I'm not responsible for what other people do. I'm responsible for me and my calling. If I wait till when I feel ready, I'll never move. When I step forward, despite my insecurity, it's an opportunity for God to move. So how do you do this? I'd say, like, what's one thing that you're like, I couldn't possibly? Try it. Join a small group. Maybe you're like, oh, I've wanted to start a small group, but I don't know how, or I don't know what plan. Talk to Pastor Harrison or myself. We'll help you. 
We'll help you get set up. Um, if maybe it's you want to, you're not sure how to join the team, join Growth Track. Get to know your giftings, your callings. Get to ask somebody around you, like, hey, I actually don't know where I belong. What do you see in me? I think we need to take practical steps to how can we serve so we can get out of our heads and stop focusing on ourselves and what we think we lack and instead provide opportunities for God to move through us. So can I share with you the body of Christ, the power? So this summer... I mean, if you know, I broke a bone in my foot. So I broke this really small bone on the side of my foot, and it put me in air cast for three weeks. And so this happened at the exact same time as we moved into the building. It was great timing. I was like, holy spirit, what are you doing? But if you've ever had a broken injury, when you get out of that cast, the rest of your body has been overcompensating for weeks. So I was in pain in my hips, my calves, like everywhere, my back, my neck. It just like, because your whole body is like overcompensating and making up for that broken foot. So I think like this summer, we were in the middle of moving into the building. And so part of my responsibility was kind of overseeing all the sound, the media, the stage, that kind of area. And um, so we got the keys to the building. We're about to move in. And I am still immobile. I can ride my scooter. But that is like pretty much it. And I remember just going like, God, I feel so useless. Like, I should be doing more. And I just remember him just speaking to me, and he's like, well, you trust that I'll move anyways, that it's all going to get done. And I think, like, I look back at this church, and I look back at this stage and the, and the lights and the sound booth, and like, guys, I did nothing. <laughs> Like physically, like somebody else hung the lights and someone else like built the drum cage and like someone else set up the media booth with me. But like, here's the beauty of it. We all share the success of it, right? The Holy Spirit was like, I actually don't need you to do anything in this season. I just need you to be a presence for the people around you. And I think sometimes if I had tried to do it on my own, I think I would have been here and Pastor Harrison would have got all the phone calls with me going, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but God brought me people that were just willing to serve. And the power of the body of Christ is that, you know, God built this church. I didn't, I didn't build this stage. God did, right? If Pastor Harrison didn't build his church, he did because the body of Christ worked together and took all the parts, and then the Holy Spirit went and did a miraculous thing, because if you've ever heard of a church being built and put together in six months, it is a very rare thing. It is a super rare thing. The Holy Spirit did something supernatural in the building of this church, and that is the power of the body of Christ, is when I just step out and I say, you know what, I may be insecure, I may be full of pride, but God, I can do this one thing you've called me to. And I'm going to trust that you're going to use that. Why don't we stand up this morning? This morning, I just, if you feel like you've been struggling with, like, do I belong here? Do I have a place? What's my calling? I just encourage you that, you know what, the truth is you do belong. That you are seen. That you are valued in this place. That you have a part to play in the kingdom of God. that there's somebody who needs your obedience. That when we choose to be humble, we choose to learn from one another, we choose to celebrate each other, we choose to say, you know what, I don't have to be perfect, I don't need to be ready, I just need to be available. I just need to say yes. 
then he will move and he will show up and he will change hearts and change lives, not because of something we did, but because that's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. That is the faithfulness of our God. So today, if you've been struggling with every head bow, I just encourage you to put out your hands and just receive from God today. The Holy Spirit, will you just come and to speak truth into the lives of the people that maybe they feel like they haven't belonged. Maybe they feel like they're not sure what their calling is, God. I just pray that you speak to them and you just show them how they can step out and just follow you. That, God, we simplify it. It's not about being more of this or being like this or arriving to a place. But, God, it's about following you. So, Jesus, we lay down our insecurity. We lay down our pride. And we just say, will you just come and show up? And we're choosing to be humble we're choosing to say, I know that I am a son, I am a daughter of God, and that you will always be faithful. So Father, this week, will you just show them how to step out? How to step out even if they don't feel it, whether they're insecure, whether they're full of pride. That God, you will show them the next step. Give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.